0: Those things were were mentioned from the pulpits or whatever, but you never heard them because it was always about Christ, but you were never given Christ. He was never handed over. <laughs>
1: Listening to another edition of Called by the Gospel. I'm here with Pastor Wolfman there. Brian, how you doing? Hey, good. This is my favorite thing that we do, by the way. Why are we doing this
2: anyway? We want to hear people's stories about how they became Lutheran, so that's what it's about. We uh we call people. You called someone and you said, Hey, uh, tell us a story. And we
1: want to listen to the story and reflect on it theologically. So that's what we're gonna do. All right. Well, I have a story from Bob today. Uh I I use, by the way, little markers that you suggested. I use, so I'm pretty excited about see using how that them. works.
0: Yeah. All right. Here's the here's the first sure. cut. My name is Bob Hulse, and I am um, almost 61 years old. And I was raised in a sort of a loosely based Baptist background. My mom would take us to a Baptist church down the street from our house, and would we were introduced there to the christian faith um i was not baptized there i simply was attending the the camps and the uh, church groups there
1: would you say that your family was really religious or you just kind of no. casual
0: churchgoers no they weren't really religious um, my Mom was just looking for somewhere she wanted to take us to church, and Dad, even though he had been raised in the seventh day Adventist church, held on to the vegetarianism, but really wasn 't <laughs> interested in in the church at all so he but he didn 't he didn 't um, stand against if Mom was going to take us to church so we we went to church with her and and uh, got introduced to the to the faith, but it was really um, Honestly, it was just like I was hearing. You know, I'd go for Sundays and hear the the messages, but I don't recall any of the messages or anything from that era. Because I mean, I was there until I was about sixteen. Okay. But mostly, I would go for the what did they call the thing? It was like a it was like the Wednesday night um, church group. So it really wasn't. Um, Bible based it was more like a get together, okay. and so we had fun you know we'd go on camps and we'd go on outings and things like that, and so it was fun, um, but then the allure of being in theater in high school sort of drove me away from all that, so as I got to around sixteen, I just just sort of stopped going, stopped being a part of the church and stopped being a part of the of that group.
1: Okay. So what do you think of that? So so his first association of memory of church is going to church mom brought us to church, but it really had nothing to do with the doctrine, the teachings don't really stick out. It was really kind of a social gathering.
2: Yes. I I um that's amazing. Now I have two things that I think. One is of all the things to retain from Seventh Day Adventists, when you go casual, <laughs> vegetarianism would be the last.
1: Yeah, I think the like day not working on Saturday, I, yeah. would, I could I could go for, it, but the vegetarianism. But yeah, the uh, day I yeah. leave the Seventh Day Adventist is the day I go eat a steak. I am just telling you.
2: Yeah. That's right, but the um, but it's interesting to me. I was having this conversation this morning with some guys. It's just the the most people's theological engagement is casual and that this is this seems like a, a great um example of that this kind of casual theological engagement so you go to some of the stuff you're involved in some of it but it doesn't capture your um your heart or your conscience your attention it's just you're kind of there uh, and it, and even if you're not casual i mean even if you're all in christian you don't have a solid um what a solid uh, understanding of the doctrine or the teaching of the place so I was re- remembering a story of a family and they were Presbyterian and they became Baptist and they went back to the liberal Presbyterian church. It's like it, th- those have totally different doctrines about everything, about baptism, about the Bible, about salvation, about but it they but you can move back and forth between the two without much difficulty just because most
1: people's theology is uh, it's just on a more casual level than we would hope for. Yeah, and so notice what it is that he finally uh, quits going to the church is when he saw church – I mean, the reason for going to church before was a matter of social activity. So the Wednesday night church group, this is where all my friends are. But once there can be a substitute for social activity, you no longer need the church. So for him it was That's right. theater or, or, or you know, whatever. So he gets involved in the theater, and then what, why do you even need to go to church anymore? Yeah, exactly. you, got the, you got the people at the theater. All right, so then Bob starts to uh, – as he grows up, starts to question, what does it really mean to be a Christian?
0: And it wasn't until I was um, coming out of a bad relationship in 1988 that I think, yeah. It was near Mother's Day of 1988 because I remember I told my mom, I thought she'd faint. I said, you know, I'll take you to church if you want. And she was like, what? Okay. Huh? So I had had all that time in theater and all the time in the world and doing all that sort of thing. And really very little interesting in going back to the church because I thought I'd seen what it was about. I thought, Oh, I understand this. So I, um, decided I wanted to really revisit church and, and, uh, and what it meant to, to really be a Christian at this point. I was really considering what it really meant to be a Christian. And so I started reading the Bible again and attending the Calvary Chapel of Laguna Hills church group there in Southern California. And, um, finally to you know by listening to the messages or or really through reading the bible i was like convicted of my sin and got on the foot of my bed and gave my life to christ there and and wanted to be baptized right away so i knew something was different yeah. before i wanted to be a part of the group and hang out but at this point i really wanted to be baptized and uh in their in their um, scheme, it's all immersion, full water baptism, and so we went down to a place called Corona Del Mar State Beach, and and I was baptized, and that was like the beginning of the change of my my life. I knew then that I was a Christian. I knew then that I was a a, a child of Christ, and so. Um, all right, that's it. So, what do you what do you think of that?
2: I think I have a growing conviction that the way we should speak about these other churches that have um the Lord's word and have the sacraments, although not the, the word is not taught purely and the sacraments are not administered according to their institution, but they have these things. They are heterodox Christian church is we should understand that the Lord um is calling people through them. <laughs> He calls people to the Lutheran Church, but through these other <laughs> churches, and then that gives us a way to recognize that, that that um God can work in this way. And it seems like that's what it was. You you hit a tough spot in life, mm-hmm. a relationship fell apart, and you realize, man, I can't do this all on my own. Uh, and and that despair means you 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 got to go and sort out if God can help you, and and it turns out that God can. Uh, you go get baptized in the beach with Calvary Chapel. That's a really Calvary Chapel thing to do is get baptized in the beach. Um, but, I mean, in some ways, you know, God be praised for that baptism at the beach. Uh, it had, the, Even though the Calvary Chapel pastor that was giving the baptism didn't understand it, it was in the Lord's name, and so it was giving the forgiveness of sins.
1: Yeah. I, I think you hit on something with uh, these kind of rough spots in life is when we become more alert to uh, ourselves in God's standing. And as he tells, continues to tell the story, I think that'll be a, a theme throughout. I think it's a theme for a lot of people. So I can, I'm p- perfectly fine ignoring God until life sucks. <laughs> and and now I have to, now I start to think about it. And uh, thanks be to God uh, for Bob, he had a Bible somewhere around and he had enough uh, thought to read it. And uh, I think that got the whole thing kicked off. But, you know, where do you go? I mean, um, it, it, maybe if just by proximity there was a a lutheran church closest to where he was reading the bible maybe it wouldn't even have it would be a two minute story I maybe mean, that would be it but uh but you know by way of calvary chapel that's how it goes now he starts then um to w- have a desire to learn more cuz you know he's going to calvary chapel and he's hearing these sermons and these people are so smart and he doesn't get that when he reads the bible so he wants to learn a bit more and it's uh th- during that time that he Really start to encounter not the kind of Christianity that's taught by Calvary Chapel, but is questioned by a man about the reform perspective.
0: From that point forward, uh-huh. then um, through circumstances, um, helping a friend move to Australia, whatever, I wanted to get more more knowledge because i felt really like i didn't understand all this and i would hear these radio programs on uh uh, the local radio station k-wave would play all of these speakers and they all seemed to have these you know insights that i wasn't getting just by reading the bible so i said maybe if i go to bible college i'll figure that out and so i went to the calvary chapel ordained bible college to get a degree in theology and uh that was where I um, met my first wife and uh, I got trained in the Bible and understood it a lot better but came out of there understanding that more things were were in sort of a grid. They were putting their their interpretations over the scriptures and so I would see a lot of things that I wouldn't understand. How did they... Wait, how did he get that out of there? So, that?
1: so even at at this Bible college, you were recognizing that certain things were being imposed upon a text rather than just letting the text speak for themselves.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's where that's where I first began to realize that it was the it was this particular denomination's um, views that were being laid over the scriptures, and so the scriptures weren't really allowed to speak. The scriptures weren't allowed to inform. It was simply that they were saying, well, knowing how we view things, this is how it." Is. And so now all of a sudden I have an understanding of why they're coming out, where they're coming from, because it's not from scriptures, but from their theology. Interesting. Did he say what it was that first tipped
1: his hat on that? No, I don't. Think, not, not here. I mean, later when he gets to the I, Reformed I, Church, but here he's still at Calvary Chapel Bible College. I remember that too. That first time when at Calvary Chapel, and I was going to the tape library, and
2: I was listening to the CDs or the tapes of the various different Bible studies, and uh, and I I recognized, wait a minute, Wait a minute, the guy skipped that verse, or that guy said that that verse means something that it looks like it wasn't. And and there's a that, that um, when you first see the uh, layer that people are putting on top of the scriptures. Uh, and you're like, aha, aha, do you have a, like you said, a frame, we have an interpretive framework through which you're reading the scriptures. And that's not, that's not good. Uh But, but to see it, th- this happens a lot of times when people first realize that other people believe different stuff. You know what I mean? So that, uh, you, you, the first time that you realize that not everybody believes what you believe, it's kind of this little mini crisis yeah. and, uh, and when you realize that there's different ways of looking at the text, it's this little mini crisis, and that seems like this is just the the beginning of that. Um, hmm. I'm
1: interested to see where it goes from there. But what did you did you, did I miss something in that? No, in I, that clip, I, I I wanted to include that clip because um, it was interesting to me that it wasn't that you know somehow he became Lutheran. and all of a sudden he looks back and goes yeah look at all those frameworks that were put on the scripture that I didn't notice before but even in the moment even going to bible college he's already recognizing these frameworks that are put over the scriptures uh, so that was what okay. stood out to me yep. uh, so so yep. so then he's at a, at a at a men's retreat and he bumps into this reform guy who's pressing him on the on limited atonement and, uh, and and as a as a guy in in the Calvary Chapel, he didn't really know how to how to talk about that.
0: He was more like he was challenging me from the perspective of the reformed position on um, the limit of the atonement, and I think that's where that's where I sort of became like mired in that idea of like, well, wait a minute, if if that means that he died for just the elect then that means you know yeah and, and so i was very much confused and so he was coming from a reformed position so okay. basically i said okay well then the reformed must be the way to go okay and so then i became reformed and that was in like 19 i mean it took me a couple years to kind of work through and finally say i don't think i'm charismatic anymore i think i'm this and um so i and to be honest, the director of the Bible College at the Evangelical School that I went to was at him was himself changing his position. Oh, so then he was, was he going to a reformed perspective? Yes. Oh, interesting. And so he was teaching from a reformed view. So I was like, oh, well, if he is and he's really smart, then I then I need to really look at that more closely. And he never tried to sway anybody away from it, but he was just saying, well, there's more than just this perspective. Okay. And that's what the guy at the pool was doing at that men's retreat. He was saying, well, I, I, it, the specific of what he was asking me, I can't remember, but it was something about the limit of the atonement. Okay. And so I was like, wow. So it really wasn't so much that I, that I realized that that was the way. It's just I realized it was different than what I'd been taught.
1: Ah, so that kind of goes to what you were saying before.
2: Yeah the the issue of the limited atonement comes up. It's this, this kind of. It's amazing that that's where you know not many Calvinists start with the limited atonement because I, I mean really it's kind of embarrassing. It's an embarrassing doctrine and it's a hard doctrine. It's also wrong. Um, but it is and it's the linchpin of calvinism that christ did not die for all but only for the elect i mean that is the thing that holds it all together uh but he got but the, in the story here so he's he's just kind of going along typical evangelical but he but the director of the bible college is being influenced by reformed theology he meets a, another guy who's influenced by reformed theology it's not it's like Reformed theology is like the default when you are in an evangelical, and then you're going to push on with theology a little bit. It's reformed is like the next step. I mean, where else are you going to go? What What are your other, <laughs> yeah,
1: what are your other options theologically? Well, what's interesting about not yeah, I mean, you don't really have any, right? Right. And what's interesting about that is that as he gets into reformed theology, he notices that his uh, Bible reading changes. So he starts favoring certain texts and notices himself ignoring other texts.
0: Right. They still imposed a a position over it, which later on I said, you know, well, these scriptures seem to conflict with the Reformed position. And then you would go to all these conferences and they would have, you know, R.C. Sproul or some big name, you know, get up there. um, And they would explain the text in such a way that you'd go, okay, well, all right. As long long as I can do mental gymnastics. Yeah, and then what then what I noticed I was doing is, as I'm working through, I'd read through my Bible many times and I just enjoyed reading through the Bible. Well, then I started noticing that I was starting to do particular books of the Bible that you could easily teach from a Reformed position. But the difficult parts of the Bible... Let's say you get into second peter you you sort of start to go well i don't yeah, I don't know if I necessarily let's avoid that let's let's move on, and oh, there's a really good treatise on that, you know such and such will do a really good job of telling explaining that away, what do you think of that that's amazing yeah, so you're, so the systematic
2: theology becomes a system through which the scriptures are read. that's a danger for us too, by the way, I mean we've got to look out for that. Because we, we want to let the scripture speak, but it's certainly true for every th- other theology is you is there's verses that you favor and verses that you don't, and uh, you start skewing the reading of the Bible towards the things you favor and away from the things that
1: you don't one thing um, that that really stuck what is out it about to me though... second peter um, i don't know you you pull out second Peter and, and figure that out, uh, but one thing that's interesting to me is that that he has this shift that he talked about, where he said, "I used to just love to read through the Bible, just read through it, and it was kind of accessible to any old person." But uh, when he had to to conform to the Reformed teaching, sudden suddenly he had to avoid certain parts of Scripture. So, so yeah, the RC sprolls of the world—I mean, the the experts—they they can encounter that part of Word of God. But for the rest of us, we we're relegated to the the easy parts of scripture. We don't have to do a lot of a lot of gymnastics to figure out.
2: That is a good point. I mean, we need to always be against the theological expertise, the theological expert in every way, the prophecy buff, etc. Um, the scripture should be plain. So you and I should be proof of that, Evan. That buffoons can do theology <laughs> if you're Lutheran. That's the thing, because you, you just have the Bible.
1: You don't have, have anything else. It's great. Yeah. All okay, right, well, so where does it start to turn? Well, there's a, a friend of his that uh, starts to uh, do kind of a, a, a sermon application class and starts to ask the question, where is Jesus in this text?
0: So for so for like 15 years, I was Reformed. And then... um Oof. It was That's a
2: long time to be reformed. When I
0: was in a a, a reformed – it was like a class after the sermon, like a sermon application class taught by a friend of mine who is now a Lutheran pastor, I'm happy to say. <laughs> and he was – and the name of his class was Emmaus Road. And so he said, we'll listen to these sermons, and then what we're going to try to do is we're going to just – Kind of, kind of peel back the sermon and the scripture that was used, and we're just going to try to find Jesus in the passage. Well, that was that was completely unique for a guy who's now you know twenty five years a Christian, and I'm like, going, wait, what? Huh. What are we doing here? So he started just slowly eroding, but he wasn't. Wow. He was not himself Lutheran. He was just simply a Reformed who was asking questions of the text and engaging it. From a from a perspective of well, let's see where we can find Jesus in this, and wow. uh, it so. was through that class that I that I began to question all of the tenets, basically, of the Reformed faith. And so, this friend of mine in this class, Emmaus Road, was just simply walking us through the scriptures and saying, "Well, let's look for Jesus." And my goodness, that, that is was that was illuminating me because it was like it was the first time I had really sat there and really thought about seeing Jesus in the scriptures instead of seeing me
1: instead of me as
0: the focus of the scriptures it was now Christ and that was completely different because see the scriptures were always used as a way to say what can you do or how can you uh, improve Or, or are you you know this is a sermon are you able to look in the mirror and say I'm better today than I was last year and me I was like going no I can't so you begin to question like am I even a Christian wow
1: that's phenomenal that's the best that right there Evan that is the best I mean, it, it it just amazes me. So, I mean, first of all, yes, when we when we read the scriptures, we ought to be looking at Jesus and what he's uh, promising. Uh, you know what what we do, and I know you do this too. In fact, I think I got it from you. But I get together with a with a few uh, chums in my my circuit, and we we read. Chums. Through, yeah. Circuit chumps. Yeah, you know the ones. <laughs> and so we read the Greek, and then we ask this question after we get done translating the Greek for the gospel lesson of that week. We ask, "How does this text forgive my sins?" Mm-hmm. And 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 yep. for some people, that why would that question even come up? <laughs> but but that is the question that we ought to ask for sermon preparation or for just reading the Bible, that, that because this is about Jesus and Jesus is about forgiving my sins, how does this passage of Scripture forgive my sins? And that's what he wrote in his Reformed Theology.
2: That's great. It's I mean, it is amazing to think that, so there's a different way of reading the, the Bible being evangelical versus, versus being Reformed, but they have this in common is that it's about me. So the evangelical mm. reads it with, um, how does this deepen my relationship with Christ? The Reformed read it in how does this teach me the, the true things about God? But even more, how does this assure, uh, um, how does this instruct me so that I can find assurance of my salvation through a growth in good works? That that Pietism that the Reformed have no inoculation for because they don't have the sacraments. Well, that's it. Uh, okay. But his, yeah, but then to say, how, how does the text give me Christ? How does it give me comfort? That's uh, You've got to get to that. And, and it's an amazing thing that here's these Reformed pastors reading the Bible, looking for Jesus, and they basically, poof, become Lutheran. <laughs> I mean, you realize that the Reformed stuff is, I mean, it's to, you're, looking for, you're looking for the assurance of salvation, but if, if the question is, am I better today than I was last year, and that's going to assure me of my salvation, and I'm going to look at my life and say, in fact, if I'm honest, I'm not any better. I'm still a poor, miserable sinner. And so maybe now I start to even question if I belong to Jesus.
1: Am I a Christian? Ah, boy. It's a it's a doctrine of despair. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly what he reflects upon next, that he finds that in hearing these Reformed sermons week after week, he's not growing.
0: I, I mean, there were many struggles in my life, because it was like um, at... At the point that, that this class was also taking place, I was also going through my divorce. And so it was a time of confusion and loneliness and, and just, you know, what is God doing here? I married a Christian woman and I married her in a Christian setting and I married her with one of the Christian teachers from the Bible college. And I'm, you know, all the, well, how is this happening to me? How How is everything crumbling under me? and um because i was looking at everything and how i should be developing and growing as a christian and this was not this was not growing and this was not developing this was this was all just confusion and loss and, and um it was it was a hard difficult time but that's what really god used to to point me away from myself and toward christ hmm.
2: Hmm. what do you think away from myself God God uses my struggles to point me away from myself and towards Christ hmm.
1: stunning really yeah uh and and I think you and we sort of sort of touched on this earlier, but I think that's that's the necessary component that uh that people need I mean uh, it, here he wasn't he wasn't walking down the street and someone gave him some some pamphlets about Lutheran. Theology of Lutheran Church or he didn't stumble upon Luther's small catechism uh he was reading the Bible, but it was when he when he was reading the Bible at the time that he was broken, that's when he heard what the Bible had to say you know i mean that's that's what is amazes me about this story is that um i mean people you know this we we can proclaim the sweetest articulations of the gospel, and it just makes people shrug sometimes. And it's because if people aren't broken, if people aren't uh, brought low in uh, the revelation of their sins before an angry God, <laughs> um, then then there is there is no gospel. There, there's nothing sweet in those words unless you're there.
2: Yeah, Jesus says, I came only... Oh, wait, that's what Luther... Luther says, Jesus came only for sinners. Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which is lost. If you're well, you don't need a physician. And so the... the um it's when our sins catch up to us that then we realize, oh, wait a minute, a
1: minute, a minute, I need someone to save me. <laughs> All right. So, so far, mm. he's just going through this Emmaus class asking, where is Jesus? Uh, so I
0: asked him, well, where does, where do you start headed towards the Lutheran church then? And it was shortly after that, that this friend of mine had mentioned that he was no longer going to be attending this church that he was now going to be attending this Lutheran church down the street and I said to him flat out I said well I don't know anything about this Lutheran faith but I know (laughs) if it's anything like the class that's what I want I don't want I don't want any more about me and doing and and the better me and the what can I do and the 10 steps to I mean it all just fills your head, you know, these sermon after sermon after sermon about ten ways to the to the victorious Christian life and how to be a better Christian husband and how to do this and how to do, instead of just presenting Christ and and saying to me as a, as a Christian and you know you know the old break it down in the the nutshell the law gospel sermon you know it's like. Christ tells you to be this in the passage, you know be this and do this, and you don 't do this, you fail, but there 's one who has done this, and that 's Christ. Mm-hmm. Look to Christ, Christ is the answer Christ is the one who has met perfectly the the requirements that God has for for you. look to christ and so and, and that 's the other thing there was another struggle for me was looking at the gospel and I, well. What do you mean the gospel? I heard the gospel. I heard the gospel in 1988, and I responded. And now it's this this sanctification, my sanctification, my doing, my I, – I, up until I became a Lutheran, I still had the satchel on my back. I, I never got to get the satchel off my back. They had fallen away, and then they were right back there. Yeah. And so I was pilgrim still, still carrying the sack. And so um, – it was. It was then, shortly after that, that it, that I began to understand and and read and 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 develop an understanding what it meant to be Lutheran, and so a lot of the things that I had struggled with through 25 years as a Christian sort of began to fall away easily because I was I was broken. You know what I mean? I was like, a, who? You know, I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not the guy. I'm not the bootstrap guy. I'm, and and of course, everybody says that's not in scripture and blah blah blah. But there's still that mentality of you got to do something. Yeah, you got to have a part in it somewhere. And uh, I was like, I, I can't do it. You know. Okay. So what do you
1: think of that?
2: This is. a I mean, it's a great description of evangelicalism. I mean, sometimes our Lutheran listeners are going to have a hard time with this. Like, is this really how it is? And this is a reminder. Yeah, this is how how bad it is the gospel is a one-time thing you hear the gospel jesus died for you and then immediately it's back to your response to the gospel and then from that point on it's all about sanctification about you doing better serving your neighbor praying more often having a deeper relationship with christ or whatever it is whatever sort of form the talk of sanctification yeah uh, is that that's that's what comes next that's that's what it's going to be and and that is to throw people on this pendulum of pride and despair i'm doing it i'm failing i'm doing i'm doing great i'm doing miserable back and forth you go uh and most i mean really this is where most christians are it's about it's about me in one way or another and mostly me trying to make god happy by my growth and good works and that is a failed prospect
1: yeah all right so we have two more cuts left and i these are my two favorite i am just so excited to play these uh the the first one uh, is when Bob first starts attending a Lutheran church, and he attends Faith Lutheran Church in Capistrano Beach, California, where our friends uh, Jeremy Rohde and Rod Hodel are pastor. And, um, yeah. and he describes uh, what, what that was
0: like um, going to church, uh, at, the, at the Lutheran church, for the first time. And they were so loving and so receptive to me that that they just began to immediately immerse me in understanding doctrine, uh-huh. but really with without that idea of like well you know take take this thing home and study it, and you know make sure you you know you understand this, but rather you know understanding that that this is christ's body and his blood, this is christ's word, this is Christ in the old testament this very simple just, and it was like like scales falling off my eyes, you know, like Paul, and you could just see it clearly. Because they weren't trying to grid you anymore. It wasn't like you were trying to see anything a certain way. You were just understanding it to be true. This is true. This is what Christ says. And so by just reading the scriptures again without trying to make them say anything, they just speak very clearly. Uh, You know, on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took the, you know, the bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. You know, it's for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, you never heard, I mean, those things were were mentioned from the pulpits or whatever, but you never heard them because it was always about Christ, but you were never given Christ. He was never handed over. So this was like, just like, it was freeing to me. What do you think? That's fantastic. I mean, here you say, hey, look, we're not going to try
2: to, we're going to do theology, but it wasn't actually this complex go and read these theology books. It was just saying, hey, this thing that the Bible says, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I so, mean, that seems like the most obvious thing that a theologian should say, but it's so hard for any other theologian to say it because, well, they're not a Lutheran, so they don't have it. But we, the, this is how the Lutheran dust theology says, hey, you see this Bible passage? It's true.
1: And look at this next one. You know what What uh, about this? It's also true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's great. Okay. I mean, so what do you think about this? That That for the first time... Having gone to Lutheran church and and, and hearing these things about you know, Christ uh giving his his body that I mean, this is my body, this is my blood for the forgiveness of sins, he says, uh it was always about Christ, but I was never given Christ until that time. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it.
2: There's no because there's no authority. The the evangelical reform too, they do not when Jesus says, I've given you authority to forgive sins, they do they have they have not taken that authority. They don't think that they have that authority. Um, so that nothing forgives sins. It has to be this internal experience. It's this immediate sort of thing. But we say no. This water forgives sins, and this body and this blood. This forgives sins, and this word. This forgives sins, and so it's teaching as one with authority. And that's a different. It's a different theological voice. It's not talking about Jesus. It is talking for Jesus in the stead and by the command of my lord jesus christ and it sounds it that it it ought to sound and we hear in bob as bob experienced it did sound different for him and that's good because it is a different kind of word mm. um uh, your sins are forgiven that that authoritative voice of the gospel is is different than what you hear in any other church and it's giving you jesus it's not just about jesus it's it, just like it said it's it's the delivery of Christ and His gifts.
1: Oh man, oh, it's fantastic! It's a shame this this uh, episode has to end. I mean, it's just so sad because this is a glorious thing to listen to, and I only have one more cut, but it's it's wonderful. It, it talks about how when Bob is is working through some of the Reformed teachings in light of having now a Lutheran understanding, a Lutheran thinking, uh, uh, an, a a reading of the Scripture that just simply says this is true, and uh, this this is what he says.
0: And so I don't have to say, oh, well, uh, world really means um, uh, eons, or I can't even remember how they said it, but there was this weird sort of way of of wording it. So you say, well, he doesn't mean everybody. When he says everyone, he means, you know, this or that. Um, Take, eat, the idea of Christ's body and his blood, that was right away, like I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Because I said, wait a minute, he didn't just say it, but something like 30 years later, Paul says that that he delivered unto them the same thing that he received, that on the night in which Christ, where did he get that? Yeah. And why is he repeating it verbatim the way Christ gave it to the disciples? So I was like, psh, no brainer there. Yeah, that was a real that was that that he is actually present. Um, that I need the gospel. That was these are things that were beautifully received by me because it was like I do need the gospel and that I'm I, of course I'm a failure I, I wasn't you know I'm I'm not going to be any better than that you know I love the idea of a lutheran funeral and I always say when I die I want my lutheran funeral to be you know bob was a was a was a big sinner he was a, <laughs> he was a big mess but he served a lord who loved him and it's about and so then they go to the gospel and they speak they preach about Christ. They don't preach about Bob but let's get up here and have a testimony for every what are they gonna say? Oh, that guy was he was a dope, he was a cruel, he was crude, he was this, he was that Yes, yes, and, and more. You know, if you only knew inside what I really was, but Christ. Christ paid for that. Christ Christ claimed this one as his own.
1: There it is. I mean that that's what it is all about, isn't it? It's fantastic.
2: We serve Jesus, who loves us, and it is—it is about His love for us. That's the, and that, and that the Christian has to hear that over and over again. I mean, I'm get—I'm starting to get f- more snarky with these churches that, that, that rob the Lord's people of the kindness that Jesus wants them to have. He wants. He wants us constantly to have the word of Christ crucified in our ears. He wants us constantly to have his forgiveness and his mercy and his body and blood and all of these gifts for all of this comfort. And churches have just said, no, that's not what we do. We we inspire or equip or we drive people or we push the swing of pride and despair. Or who knows what their vision casting thing is. But <laughs> but Jesus wants us to ha- to know his love. Luther says, "I'm a pastor. I descend like rain from heaven, and I comfort the people. That's what. That's what Jesus wants to happen in the church. The church is instituted so that in the church we have nothing but the but the daily unending forgiveness of sins. And uh, most churches don't have forgiveness of sins. Maybe one time for the newly converted. That's it, man. You better not get in trouble after that. You have to be reconverted. The whole thing is a mess. But it's not how Jesus wants it to be. We, that's great what Bob said. We." We serve Jesus who loves us and died for us so that we could have eternal life with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like what he said, too, about the about the funeral. I mean, if people get up and, and, and talk about Bob, what are they going to say? Oh, this guy was a big sinner. He goes, you don't even know the first of it. If you knew it was on the inside, you would you would definitely not be getting up and talking about it. Um, yeah. But that's the point, isn't it? That 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 if there's anything worth talking about at a funeral, it's about the redeeming work of Jesus to save poor, miserable sinners such as me and Brian and Bob. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. I am sa- I'm died
2: for by Christ. I'm covered with the blood. I am a lamb of this good Shepherd. I I have a God who who was in my flesh. Who is in my flesh. And was in my sin, so that I can be in His presence eternally. That He sacrificed everything, so that so that He could know me and d- delight in me and have me in His presence all, completely by His grace and mercy. And I have to hear that every single day. Uh, and that's why Jesus instituted the church, so we could hear it every single day. Mm. That's fantastic.
1: Uh, yeah, it is. Well, uh, th- this has been this has been a joy to do these um, called by the Gospels. We do want to keep hearing from our listeners. What do you think of these? Should we keep doing them? Should we should we put this on the shelf? Uh, let us know. Questions at tabletalkradio.org is the email address. If you prefer to leave us a voicemail, the phone number is one eight hundred three eight five 385 sola And we will provide the full interview, the raw audio uh, with Bob uh, on our webpage, tabletalkradio.org, just in the show notes of, of this episode. Just click on podcast and you'll find it there. Uh, so this is another edition of uh, Called by the Gospel in the Books. Brian, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you, and thanks, Bob, for his,
2: um, for his words and his reflections and his story. God be praised uh, that another soul has been called by the gospel, enlightened with the gifts of Christ, and rejoices in the
1: truth of the gospel. Amen. <laughs>